There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, December 13th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, what Mississippians need to know about the Omicron variant of COVID-19. Then, educators speak out as lawmakers mull the mechanics of a teacher pay raise. And what Jackson State's impressive football season means for the economy of Mississippi's capital city. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Omicron variant of COVID-19 has arrived in Mississippi, and it's worth paying attention to. That's according to Dr. Jerry Wyland, who's president of the Mississippi State Medical Association. She says now is not a good time to get complacent about COVID, but it's no time to panic either. We knew it was coming. We knew if it was in the United States, it was going to get here. And, And the thing is, we just don't know very much about it. We don't know whether it's more contagious. We don't know whether it's going to make people sicker than the Delta variant. But what we have to remember is we know that the Delta variant, which occurred in the late summer with the Delta variant, we had a tremendous amount of deaths and it it was hit Mississippi very hard. And what we shouldn't forget, even though Omicron is here, Delta is still the predominant variant in Mississippi. And it's still the one that has caused the most trouble for Mississippians. And we also know that hospitalizations in the state are rising right now. You know, what are your thoughts on that? This is the time of year where people get together more. Uh, They don't necessarily take all the precautions they took a year ago. We still have a very large number of people who are not vaccinated. Um, I know that we that the vaccination rate is in the high 40 percent. And then we think there's another 40 percent of people who have some natural immunity. But that leaves 20 percent of the Mississippi population with no protection whatsoever. and Some people, even with the vaccine or even having had COVID before, uh, can get sick from the Delta variant and even the new Omicron variant. So it's not surprising that this time of year, all hospitalizations will go up. And 
I think the good news is that we do have some treatment options we didn't have a year ago. We have the monoclonal antibodies, which hopefully even if you get put in the hospital, you won't get quite as sick. And it has been very helpful in keeping people out of the hospital. Um, even folks that have had the vaccine are a candidate for monoclonal antibodies, which just help give you resistance to the coronavirus. How do you think the upcoming holidays are going to affect transmission? And what do you think Mississippians could do to prepare? Well, I, I truly think that, that we may have an uptick of coronavirus and influenza. This is also the cold and flu season. Influenza in children, respiratory syncytial virus, RSV, all of those go up this time of year. People are indoors more. They're around family and friends more. Um, it just loans itself to more transmission. I think the best thing people can do for coronavirus is get your vaccine. We don't know exactly how effective the vaccine will be against Omicron, but we feel like there is going to be some protection. We know that it works against the Delta variant. So if you haven't been vaccinated, please get vaccinated. If you're due for your booster, which is six months after your last coronavirus vaccine, please go get your booster. That will help you through the holidays. We, we know people are going to get together this year. I mean, they really were, last year, there was a lot of folks who did not get together. And I think they're just a little tired of the pandemic and they're going to want to get together. Don't go if you're sick. If you're sick, don't go. Get checked. Make sure you don't have coronavirus. Make sure you don't need the monoclonal antibodies. But if you're sick with anything, whether it's a cold, whether it's RSV, whether it's the flu, don't, don't go to the Christmas party. Don't be around your family and friends. Vaccination, as I talked about, have a plan. If you're traveling, make sure you know what you're going to do if you get sick. You're going to get tested. You may even want to get one of the, the, the at-home tests to test yourself. But have a plan. Where am I going to get monoclonal antibodies? How am I going to get home? You know, what medical facilities can I visit if I'm out of town and need medical attention? Masking helps. We know that, that it does. We know people aren't going to do that around their family members very much. But if you're out, uh, in, in, I'm sorry, if you're indoors, excuse me, um, and it's around people who are not family, you may want to wear a mask. It does help reduce the transmission and spread of all respiratory viruses, not just coronavirus. If people were going to have a small gathering, what would be a good number of people to have at the house? Well, yeah, I don't think it's that. I mean, I think it doesn't matter whether you have, you know, 10 or 20 if, if you have unvaccinated people and you have people who show up sick, they're going to make people sick. So, I mean, um, to me, it's what we can do to keep people from getting sick. Have your vaccine. Don't go if you're sick. I don't know that the number, to me, I don't know that the number makes that much difference. Of course, you know, the smaller the gathering, the better. But, but again, if somebody's going to, if you're in a group of two or 10, if someone's going to show up sick, they're going to make you sick. And then you'll take it to your coworkers and other family members as you go back about your business after your gathering. And you mentioned boosters earlier. The FDA has announced that they're, they're approving boosters for 16 and 17-year-olds. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that go, that age limit going down? Because currently it's 18, and it's recommended that everybody under, over the age of 18 currently gets boosters. Right. But, but it, again, this is this was a phased sort of thing as they rolled the vaccine out. If you recall, um, the vaccinations were approved for 18 above, then 16, 17-year-olds, 
Pfizer has been approved for 16, 17-year-olds, and they've done testing on the booster. You know, it's always a good idea to get a booster, especially if you have any underlying health issues or if you have family members who have health issues, because then you protect them. Well, Dr. Weiland, is there anything else that you'd like to share with Mississippians right now about, you know, what they should know about the potential for this new variant and how it could affect Mississippi or, you know, the ongoing variants we have, like the Delta variant, that are continued transmission here in the state? Well, I would like to say that our biggest problem still is the Delta variant, and we know how deadly Delta was and can still be. We do know that the vaccines are protective against Delta variant. We know that monoclonal antibodies help if you do get sick. We don't know much about Omicron yet, but the best thing is to get vaccinated. Don't go out if you're sick. If you're sick, seek medical attention so that you can get the best care possible and not end up in the hospital at Christmas. Coming up, educators speak out as lawmakers mull a teacher pay raise. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. This year, Governor Reeves has promised teachers in the state a salary hike. The hard part is figuring out how to pay for it, and that challenge falls to the legislature. Dennis DeBar is chair of the state Senate Education Committee. He says he's unfazed by the task at hand and fully committed to hammering out a new deal for educators. We need to get teachers up to professional wage. They're professionals. They teach our kids. They do a difficult job. And I hope to continue the progress. And, you know, as long as I'm education chairman, we're going to continue to do that. But challenges remain, including some beyond DeBar's direct control. Those include issues related to teachers' insurance and retirement packages, which will require collaboration across multiple legislative committees to resolve. In recent weeks, DeBar has hosted a series of listening sessions with educators across the state. Maggie King, who teaches in Madison, attended one such session and left still feeling uncertain about the future of her profession in the state. I know that it's a very expensive policy to increase pay for teachers, but on that same hand, you know, we're the backbone of growth for children and young adults in the state and the country. And I think for other professionals, like doctors and lawyers, whose pay reflects um, their value, teachers are copiously undervalued for uh, what we bring to the table. And... um, we're not compensated nearly enough for it. How long have you been teaching? Six years. Have you been able to receive, you know, substantial pay raise any of, t- any of that time? Substantial? Not really. I mean, there have been pay raises that, like last year, might have increased, you know, my monthly income by $100. But when, you know, teachers are barely making a living wage, $100 may help my grocery bill. But there's a house bill, car bill savings. There's so many other things where just to offer a living wage kind of just sends the message that, you know, we deserve to live, but we don't deserve to thrive. The pay raises they're looking at specifically are going to affect, especially those just entering the work field. You know, what does that say to you as a teacher who's been in this this for nearly, uh, for more than half a decade, you know, but 
probably wouldn't face the biggest effects of that. That, to me, I, I, I appreciate their focus on new teachers and trying to keep them in, but with the retirement limiting at uh, 30 years, there's 27 other years of experienced teachers that are kind of um, waiting to be uh, paid attention to. Um, not to say that it's not important to pay attention to these young teachers entering the work workforce, but most of the time these young teachers don't have children, may not have, um, you know, all of the uh, financial responsibilities that come with just getting older. And so it really does beg the question, you know, what about the rest of us? There, there's still so many other teachers. That's only 10% of the 30-year requirement in teachers. There's still 27 other years that you need to uh, commit to, and you need to be able to incentivize us to stay. I know another big part of the conversation was insurance and how that affects teachers' pay as well. You know, what are your thoughts, and how, do you think the legislature should be paying more attention to working together to try to address that and balancing it with teacher pay? It seems like there was no um, collaboration between the two committees. And if one is going to affect the other, I absolutely think they need to be collaborating. Because if, um, you know, you're, you're working on one thing and someone's working on another thing and y'all have no idea how your decisions affect each other, but they're both affecting me, um, collaboration seems almost, like, crucial, if not absolutely necessary. Um, I know that we're taught as teachers to collaborate across the board, across grades. I mean, that, that seems like a, a common knowledge that that should be required and be done right now. It was a little concerning, honestly, just to know that they weren't really um, keeping tabs on each other with something that is so um, closely related. Because a lot of people who are in teaching are do it for the insurance, do it for the health benefits and things like that, because... You, it's so hard to afford anything, <laughs> even with children. So, like, I, I know that with my job, I, having having a teacher pay, a lot of it revolves around the benefits. But we may not be able to see those benefits if they're not working together. Is there anything else we haven't touched on that you'd like to share? Like, other things you'd like to see come out of the teacher pay going forward? Uh, it's it's a little. I will say that I, I am glad that it as is at the forefront of um, negotiations in the Senate. But I can hop right next door and get ten thousand dollars more in my pay, automatically. And I think that the gravity of the situation that that really needs to be felt by the people who are making these decisions because it's very easy just to hop across the state and to actually have a livable wage. And I don't think they realize that how, how close a lot of teachers are to doing that. Maggie King is a teacher in Madison. Coming up, what Jackson State football means for the economy of Mississippi's capital city. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Jackson State University's football program is riding high. 
Overall this season, the team has lost only one game and won 11, including the Southwestern Athletic Conference Championship the weekend before last. This, of course, has all come under the leadership of second-year head coach and former NFL star Deion Sanders. Whatever new life Sanders has breathed into JSU football, it seems to have spread to the city of Jackson as a whole. That's according to Yolanda Claymore of Visit Jackson, who says the excitement around the team has already sparked economic opportunity within Mississippi's capital. If we look at attendance uh, for the, we have to, you know, kind of compare apples to apples and 2019 will be a better season than 2020 for uh, due to COVID, obviously. The highest attendance we had last season, well, 2019 was 40,084. And that was against Southern University. This season, we had homecoming, which was uh, 53,578. And the swag championship was 50,128, which have uh, been noted as FCS records. So this has all been very exciting, and it's brought in a lot of extra dollars to the capital city. How many extra dollars? If we total up the season, this this does include the uh, swag championship game as well. Uh, we're looking at $30 million plus. There's probably 30.8 would probably be more accurate, um, but just to round it off, $30 million. What is the economic impact of that kind of money? It's huge. Um, when you think about the uh, business sectors that benefit from that, um, you're looking at lodging, transportation, food and beverage, retail, recreation, uh, space rental, as well as business services. Um, it has a huge impact citywide and statewide because when you think about, you know, taxes come from that, which goes back into the state, which goes into IHL, which, you know, eventually goes back to Jackson State University. What other events in Jackson or occasions would produce that kind of money? Anything? I can't think of anything. The closest thing that we've had is probably how St. Patty's uh, would probably be the closest that would compare to that. And there hasn't been a parade in a couple of years, so that's that's uh, that's been a right. loss of revenue. Right. What does yeah. this? What does the the tax element of this mean for Jackson, and how can it be used? As far I can't speak for the city of Jackson, but for, for Visit Jackson, you know, we are funded by the uh, tax dollars through restaurant and hotels. And what it means for Visit Jackson that we can still, we can remain a strong partner for Jackson State University, as well as the city, of course, because we do uh, the marketing efforts for the city. But that, um, that allows us to further support the city uh, with, advertising and, um, you know, brand exposure and uh, hopefully bring in more, more people into the city of Jackson to, to uh, come and attend, attend an event or uh, stay at a hotel, eat at a restaurant, which, you know, just kind of circles back full circle. Have these games, has this season opened up football to audiences beyond JSU fans? Oh, certainly. Oh, certainly. Um, I was looking at a post, uh, a, a gentleman that is an Ole Miss fan. He attended the game because he wanted to experience HBCU fo- football. And um, he just was 
he was astonished about the love that he received at the game. He 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 was he was excited about a hat that someone gave him that had JSU on it. And he said that he was getting um, beverages from just people that's sitting around him. And he said it was an experience that he'll never forget. So it's it's definitely expanded to uh, those who wouldn't normally support JSU football. And that's interesting. You bring up, you know, what this does for HBCU schools, and how much Coach Prime plays a part in that. Does he alone bring fans to JSU games? And, and he's produced a oh, great cert- team. Certainly. He- Oh, certainly. He's an integral part of that uh, of that equation. Um, his celebrity alone, people will come just to get a glimpse of of uh, Coach Prime, you know, the uh, legendary NFL Hall of Famer. And then, you know, that equates to more marketability for this for the for the school, for the city and even for the state of Mississippi. I mean, we're thinking, you know, about brand exposure, it's probably going to equate to more television uh, exposure as opposed to this year, probably more games on ESPN next year. You know, I asked you at the start what attendance was this year compared to previous seasons. You were talking about 2019. What about money? $30 mm-hmm. million dollar impact this year. How does that compare to uh-huh. 2019? It's about double. Um, last, in 2019, the total economic uh impact was 16.8 million and you know you have to consider that there was only five games as compared to six games but you know we have the sweat championship here this year so but it's still a phenomenal number compared to 2019 season what do you think is going to happen next year are you looking that far ahead yet oh certainly we think this is going to be uh more and it'll be greater Uh, when you think about how people uh, like to be associated with a winning program and you know I think a lot of people including businesses that may have not supported JSU football this year just waiting to see what the outcome was going to be I think they're going to support it next year Uh, so that means greater sponsorship and as far as Jackson State is concerned you know, naturally the price is going to go up because the demand is going to go up. Um, there's limited space in the stadium for uh, tailgating as well as uh, those uh, suites and the Tiger Den. So that just gives them, um, uh, that puts them in a greater posture to to sell Jackson State football or Jackson State athletics, period. It must be an exciting time to be working for Visit Jackson. <laughs> It certainly is. It certainly is. We embrace this. I mean, this is what we live for. We want to see visitors as well as our own citizens embody what the city with soul means, um, the, our culture, our food, um, the things that we have to offer. And it's just a great time for Visit Jackson. Yolanda Claymore is the Director of Communications for Visit Jackson. Yolanda, thank you so much for some really good news. Thank you for having me, Karen. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.